All right, thank you so much. Again, I'm Dulcie and I'm a food addict, compulsive overeater. And uh, <clears throat> I was a fat drunk, plain and simple. And um, my, um, I'm gonna get some of the numbers out of the way so we can go on with what's behind the numbers. And I wanna welcome my friend, Mary A.B. on here. We, we've been buddies in these rooms for multiple years. And uh, I came in in 1976. I remember the date, March 27th. I weighed one, uh, 270. And um, in those days, I heard the, a few minutes of the earlier talk between Jason and Dan about gray sheet. And um, I just want to say now that um, my back-to-back -back abstinence date is um, 1983, just um, April 15th. So the first 15 um, seven years, um, I, I grabbed that gray sheet and I had a slip up about once a year, every six months, eight months. Um, the one thing I've done correct, um, a lot of things really, cause I took suggestions of what you said, but the main thing is I've never left even during that seven years, I never left during what I would call it those time in those days, my failure. Um, my weight last Friday morning was 128.9. I've been able to remain under 130 for quite a few years now. And um, I will say that that first meeting I walked into, I didn't want anything you guys talked about having except the, the speaker passed around her fat picture and she had weighed the exact weight that I walked in with and um, which was 270 and she had a, uh, she sat before me in a normal weight and that's what I wanted and wanted what she had. That's the only reason I came. And it, it's amazing that in that, in that period of time in 1976, that there was a mention on television, it was a talk show and someone was being interviewed and uh, the person said, um, talked about Overeaters Anonymous. She wasn't in it, but she talked about it. And, and she said, it's for compulsive overeaters and food addicts and or food, those with food addiction. And it stopped me in my tracks because I had just come back from the 24 hour store um, getting the donuts. Does this, are you allowed to say food in this meeting or not? Yes, okay. So I was, I, I would go out and drive around at night. I was in LA at the time. I came in in Los Angeles and um, was there in the, those early years. And uh, Mary was in with, uh, I, well, I was there with Roseanne, went to meetings with Roseanne. Mary had her at her sponsor. So we're both on here tonight. And um, the main thing was I got the 140 pounds off in 14 months, 10 pounds a month, I was coming off with the gray sheet. Yes, the gray sheet. Um, I knew when I read on that front of that gray paper, and for those of you who don't know, it was just printed on gray paper is all the reason they called it the gray sheet. But um, later on, after research, we discovered that that gray sheet had come out of the Tarzana Hospital for diabetics and one of the other five founders um, brought it in and said, I think we should do this. And that's how it started. And 
the funny thing about it when it, when I read that line, we are uh, com we are carbohydrate sensitive. It was like somebody hit me with a, a brick, and I knew. And they told me that night that sugar and white flour was was the drug, and that I had to abstain from that. But I didn't understand any of that. You know, I hadn't understood. I didn't even know about AA or alcoholism or anything, even though I'd spent my years in the uh, hippie days with, uh, in, a, in a Volks bus, you know, doing what you did in the uh, 70s. And um, <clears throat> tequila was my beverage of choice. And uh, of course, um, the funny plant, which I decided might have been a vegetable at the time when I first got in, of marijuana I thought well it's a plant it's a vegetable right but it, you know in my hippie days I had to I because I was a compulsive overeater and I kind of had my my hero was mama Cass and I I pretty much looked looked the part there and dressed like her and I pulled off the obese part um outwardly and inwardly I was just devastated you know and I grew up a fat child, and I thought it was much, much heavier than um, than I really was. Because when I look back at pictures now, I I was pretty much what they called chubbets in those days. And my mother would have to go to the old lady store and get the buy the dresses and, and hem them up for me. And uh, uh, I became a um, I I knew how to diet. Um, I remember at 15, my, at 12, my mother put me on black bennies and by 15, I had figured out calories and that I could just eat um, a candy bar and, and drink a Coke. And then I think I had the first bottle of tab that hit the, hit the pavement. And, and then of course those AIDS, remember little caramels wrapped in paper and yeah, right, eat the whole box, you know, they didn't know who I was. And um, so I came through all of that and did the pregnant women's urine shots. And um, uh, I lived at the time, uh, I lived in Florida, and I went down to this Dr. Needleman, who everyone was going to to lose weight. And this was before I knew anything about program. And I got down and he hand across the desk, he pushes over, it was quite expensive in those days for me, and pushed over two containers across the desk like that. And the blue pills, you know, this is for morning, this is for night. You take these in the morning to, to rev you all up, and then you take all these at night to put you back to sleep. And I'm, the reason I got to him was um, he, the, I saw his food plan, and they had something, you know, I was always looking for the quick fix, the solution. And um, it said ricotta, ricotta cheese on it. And it had farmer's cheese. And I had never heard of farmer's cheese, not being um, Jewish. And he was, he was Jewish. And I knew that must be the secret if I had a diet that had farmer's cheese on it. So I paid him the money and the truth is I looked across the desk at him and he weighed at least 350 pounds, Dr. Needleman. And I thought there's something wrong with this picture. 
that, you know, I'm paying this man who hasn't done it himself. And this is the thing I loved in love in the program that you've taught me is go to people who have what you want to find out how they do it. And um, so, you know, it took me 14 months to get the weight off and 14 months to pick up any kind of step work whatsoever. I wasn't interested. I don't know what you were talking about when you said resentment and fear and anger. I hadn't a clue because you see, I was, I was drunk from infancy. My um, grandmother, uh, I was born in 43, I'm 78 now. And I, it's just so weird. I came in at, at 33 and to think I've stayed here this time and spent my life not as a hundred pounder, not, you know, uh, overweight, not an obese person. And we had a meeting in Los Angeles called the hundred pounder meeting. I was part of that. And, uh, She froze up. Dulcie, you have frozen. Her screen is black. Maybe she knows. Maybe turn off the video. You know, I'm killed. I'm, oh, there she is. I, somebody needs to mute. Um, and oh, it says my my internet's unstable. So. I hope it holds up. I don't, I haven't had that happen. Anyway, um, let me check. The, yeah, we're okay, the battery. Um, <clears throat> anyway, in those days, there weren't pacifiers for babies. There, so they put sugar and sugar rationing had just kind of come off um, for after the war. And um, they put sugar in little gauze bags and tied them with a string. And the message was putting it in baby's mouth and saying, you know, don't cry don't bother us, don't make waves, don't feel bad. And so from infancy, I got the message that have something sweet, it will fix everything. And I proceeded to think that that was the case. And it, I lost control. And um, there were many times um, that I, I would binge to blackout states. And um, so when, when I finally had all my weight off, I went to visit my parents. I was an only child and my mother was heavy too. She always weighed about, she weighed between 180 and 210 her whole life. But she was always demanding that I lose the weight and that I get thin. And I went to visit her in Florida and uh, I was living in California at the time. And she said, um, well, I wanted to take you down to work so people could meet my daughter, but um, I'm too ashamed of you. I'm just too ashamed of you. So after you guys helped me get that weight off and thanks to the food plan that cut out the things that were keeping me heavy, uh, I got down to goal weight. <clears throat> so it was about a year and a half or so. And I was so excited to fly to where they lived and bring them this daughter who was at normal weight, finally. Um, and uh, I got off the plane and walked down and I really looked good. You know, I was only in my thirties then. And uh, 
I really did look good. And um, for the first time in my life, you know, and I got off the plane and I headed down that uh, runway and my mother and father were there and my father looked at me and I had told them, you know, that what I was doing and my father looked at me and he said, Oh my God, you look like you just got out of Jacal and you're no daughter of mine. Look at you, you, you better eat. And I mean, the shock and the disappointment of that. So I'm talking about this to the hundred pound group because we, we have no idea you know, how other people react. And I, I know probably many of you like myself have been in the rooms with fellow um, uh, overeaters and seen them gradually go down. But if someone sees you after a year, I mean, it, it's shocking. I, I, I've had that experience of people out of town that I wouldn't see on their abstinence until, and it is shocking. And um, one of my sponsees went way down and, and um, when I look at the pictures now, I could see why people were just shocked that hadn't seen her. So that's one of the things I had to deal with. Well, after I hung around a couple of weeks with them, you know, they got used to it. And I could see my father and mother looking over at me like, who is that? Who is that? You know, because I was encased in 100 pounds, 140 pounds of, of you know, protection. And, you know, um, one of the things my sponsor, when I would only lose maybe seven pounds that month or not quite make the 10, um, she'd say, go into the store and go, I want, you know, and when I first lost 25 pounds, she said, go into the market and pick up a 25 pound bag of um, dog food and see what that feels like. I couldn't even pick it up hardly, you know, but yet I had been carrying it on me. And I remember at my top weight, um, I hiked the Grand Canyon with my first husband and we went to the bottom and most people, it and back up and it was like 110, 115. And here I am trying to pretend I'm not 270 pounds, you know, that was my, um, I didn't hide. I was out there with this weight. And um, I keep getting a notice that it's unstable. I, I can't imagine why. But anyway, um, anyway, I, 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 you know, it was like I had to make up for being obese by being the best. You know, I had to be the best. I was a hair, hairdresser. Um, and then I became a makeup artist in the film business in Los Angeles. And by then I had gotten my weight off. So I went on the set and I mean, I weighed and measured my food and I carried my breakfast, lunch and dinner because the food on those sets are just all you can eat all day long. And, you know, I'd work 12, 18, some, sometimes 18 hours a day. And everybody else is drinking coffee and eating everything and drinking everything they can just to stay alert and alive. And um, I, I knew that their food could not be my food. So I would go with my weight and measured food. And when I couldn't make it, um, I would always have my scale. I Yes, I weighed and measured for 23 years 
everything that went into my mouth, even in the restaurants, and I wasn't ashamed because I was so ashamed of walking up to those salad bars, you know, over 200 pounds or even 180 pounds. That was embarrassing. That was incomprehensible demoralization. And, um, you know, sometimes takes a long time as an alcoholic to um, get how embarrassing it was. You know, it's, it's, it's not so unsexy to fall off the bar stool as it is to fall off a donut stool at three in the morning and go out and vomit in the dumpster because you had to keep eating. You know, that was the other thing. I was a vomiter and um, not great at bulimia. I mean, bulimic because it didn't keep me thin. I just kept eating. I had to throw up just to get more into me. And um, so um, going through all of that and, you know, I had to dance anyway and I just pretended I had this ability to pretend I was okay that way. And yes, you've got to learn to love, you know, I never loved it. I'm sorry, I tried, um, you know, and it never worked for me. Um, I, I, I had that quest inside of me and that spirit inside of me that just wanted to be a normal size. And, um, but without the 12 steps, I don't think I would have been able to stay on the food plan. So I had to put it on paper. And people say to me today, what do you do? Well, I'm angry, what, do you, what should I do? I say, put down the fork, pick up the pen, get it on paper, and then tell somebody. And that's the magic of committing food too, is that fifth step is I'm admitting that I'm powerless over food. And I have to tell God, myself, and one other human being, as the fifth step says, admitted to God, myself, one other human being, the exact nature of my disease. So I consider when I turn my food over in the morning and call it in or text it in, uh, that I'm taking a fifth step on the thing that will take me down. And um, about a year after being in Overeaters Anonymous, I started hearing the laughter across the hall. And by then, creative as I am, I had figured out how to, well, we all know calories. Oh my goodness. So I knew an apple was 70 calories and I knew a glass of white wine was 70 calories. So I didn't bother to tell my sponsor that I had changed fruits and I was, I was um, having a, one or two glasses of wine for lunch or, or you know, I'd talk to my sponsor and said, well, I can have two fruits now today and, you know, and because I'm thin or I'm at goal weight. And so I'd have two glasses. I'd move them down to dinner and not tell her and I'd have two glasses of white wine. And then in my infinite wisdom, I realized, oh, tequila is a vegetable. And <laughs> so near, needless to say, I could hear the laughter across the room where the AA kids were. And um, it wasn't long before I went over there to see what that was about. And, um, you know, my 
I got a sponsor that night who was both double winner, you know, was was an alcoholic and an overeater. And she said, no, dear, we we can't do the funny little cigarettes, even though they're a vegetable and you can't do tequila and you can't do wine. And um, so anyway, uh, you know, we're all very clever and creative. So what do I do today? I get it on paper, whatever it is that's bothering me. And I had quite a, a difficult time with the word resentment. I was such a child coming in here. You know, I had to grow up. They say that when we start using the drug of our choice, I happened to chew mine way before I hit the tequila bottle. When we start using whatever age that is, is where we have to emotionally start to grow from. Well, mine was infancy and my grandmother was a candy maker and baker. And I just used all through my childhood, all through my teens. And uh, even though I would diet um, a couple times a year after I turned 17, I got married at 17. And I was about 180 and within a couple of weeks I was over 200 and I could not get under 200 for the next 10 or 15 years until I hit these rooms. But I would get down I'd, or lose 60 pounds and get right down around the 200 mark and blow it because I wasn't in the rooms. And we'll see. that's yeah. five minutes left. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. So I want to go back to the steps and I want to use that word resentment and, and um, oh, what I was gonna say was my immaturity was so young um, that I thought like a child, I had been able to anesthetize any kind of uh, growth. And I do remember after I lost that weight, I literally remember in, in a car crying like an infant and it was that like a newborn like like that and i had to come up through all the ages and grow up and i say here in the in the rooms that the first step is the give up steps that's where i have to give up the food give up all my old ideas and the next step that we have to do is the cleanup get it on paper What's called, you know, what's causing the disturbance? What is it I'm trying to shove in my mouth to push down so I don't have to admit it, don't have to feel it, don't have to speak up, don't have to tell somebody. And so those are the give up steps, the next three. And then I go to the makeup steps where I go back and I make my amends and I clean it up and I pay back and I give back and I clean up the past that's causing me the shame and guilt. And you taught me the difference in shame and guilt. You taught me that shame is an inside thing of how I feel about myself, but guilt is what I've done. So guilt is, was um, quicker to clean up um, because I could clean up what I had physically done, but shame took and it's still, there, there's that thing of shame, I think, in a compulsive overeater. And then the last three steps are the grow up steps. That's 10, 11, and 12. That's where I grow up. And that's where I have to go back and raise that child that was so damaged 
and I won't go into the dysfunction of the family. We've all had them. And I will say that my, my father always told me I'd never amount to anything. I think my only hope was to get married and uh, you know, that kind of thing, probably why I got married at 17, but really it was to get up from under their rule. Um, and so I get that on paper and to this day, I, the word resentment, I was too immature to know what a resentment was. I didn't know anger. I hadn't felt anger. I lived in a fairy tale land in my head. I didn't feel anger, so it was hard. So my sponsor said, why don't you write about when you were disappointed? Well, that kid knew what disappointment was and I could get it on paper and that would lead me to what resentment was. And as far as anger, I remember distinctly, I was seven years abstinent and sober when I first experienced the actual feeling of the, of the heat and that frustration. I thought, oh, that's what anger is. So here I am 45 years later or however many, I don't do the math that well, um, having come and raised up this kid. And I, I always say to everyone, if you're struggling with the food, it's the kid. What am I trying to shut the kid up about? Why don't I wanna hear what it's needing or wanting from me? And many times it just needs a nap. Many times it, just, it needs me to go buy flowers. It needs a bubble bath. It needs to go something and go play, have fun. Um, I, uh, I've discovered many times in writing and I dialogue to the kid. I call it the kid. I, die, I, I write and dialogue on paper with the kid of what's going on, what is it she's really needing instead of the food. And the same, um, you know, with, with foods, if there's a food I'm not willing to give up, but it's just beaten me and I need to not have it, I dialogue with the actual food. Okay, I'll say, dear peanuts or whatever it is, what is it I'm trying to get out of you that I need to give to me another way? And it's an amazing process. So those are my step works. I went through volumes and volumes and volumes of spiral notebooks, getting it on paper, getting it on paper. I didn't believe in God when I got here. I had thrown him out with a religion. And at my fifth step, I had a spiritual awakening that was all completely altered who and what my relationship to spirit was. I realized I wasn't just this human body, but there was a spiritual aspect of my being. And I was able to call him higher power until I had such a pole vaulting experience of an inner longing for what it, all the time I thought it was food or spirits in the bottle, my longing was to empty, to get to that empty soul and fill it with that presence of God that you brought me to in the 11th step. And that's where I fill up. That's where I get quiet, I get silent. I hear, be still, be still. 
just be still, be still and know. And, you know, they say we come in here and first we, um, let me get I'll it. say that you're 25. I'm, I'm good. Okay, I'm going to end right with this. You know, first we come in and, and first we come to, then we come to believe. And then we come, I, I always say, then we come to know. Um, but I think the steps bring us to that feed, feeding that we desire, that food that we're really looking for is an inside job. Thank you so much. Thanks for timing and thanks for having this meeting and listening to, to my silly experience. Thank you.